Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hey, welcome to this edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. This is Hugh Ballou. And as usual, we have this amazing guest today. Um, so we have Bishop Ebony Kirkland. And I think I met her at a conference five, six years ago. We sat down and had a talk and we decided, wow, we got some things in common. We have a passion. We're leaders. We're making a difference in the world. And actually, she helped me produce one of our Center Vision Leadership uh, Empowerment Symposiums. You gave me a new upgrade in the name in New York City. And then I took you to meet um, Francis Hasselbein, and we had a good time there. So, Bishop Kirkland, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Tell people a little bit about you, your background, and then what is your passion for what you're doing today? Thank you, Hugh. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. You have a, you do great work. I'm, I'm, I'm just always been impressed with your knowledge and your knowledge about nonprofits and your knowledge about uh, organizations and how organizations come together and how organizations grow and how to facilitate the, the role as a leader in organizations. So thank you so much for that. Uh, no, uh, well, a little bit about myself is I, I come from a business background before I went into the nonprofit background. Um, I started my own business uh, many years ago, uh, many decades ago, let's say it that way. And then uh, it was, was a marketing research business. And at some point, I decided that I would turn it over to my daughter who runs it now. It's been a blessing to be able to have been in the market research industry where I, I, I learned so much about um, um, statistics and so on and so forth because that's what market research deals with. Let me just fast forward into my experience now um, as a nonprofit uh, entrepreneur, I would say, an entrepreneur. I started um, a church and a small church uh, about uh, 10, 12 years ago. And then uh, the Lord called me into global church planting. So I began planting churches all over Africa and over Central America and South America and so on and so forth. And from that, uh, it grew even further. The Lord um, planted in my spirit that perhaps with all my training background, because I do come from a marketing background, I have a, uh, an advanced degree from Harvard and I also have, and so I come from a training marketing background. So uh, we began, I began to do a nonprofit uh, school for chaplains. So I train chaplains now to be chaplains, how to become a chaplain, how to work in hospitals and nursing homes and so on and so forth. But in addition to that, I also have, and I started a, a ministry training institute. And the institute deals with training pastors that are already pastors to become um, more of an entrepreneur rather than just pastoring. Pastoring is extremely important. I'm not taking that away. I love pastoring. But we also understand that in today's market, pastoring alone is not sufficient to be able to do the work of the Lord. You know, even Paul said that in, he said, you know, you must, you must give to the work of the Lord. So in order, and the people today are not so much into giving any more viewers you can imagine. So you have to find 
entrepreneurial entrepreneurial ways of meeting that need of working within the work of the Lord and yet at the same time being able to be financed. So we take we train pastors to become entrepreneurs at the same time as they run their churches. We try we we give them a way of, of out in terms of financial out because a lot of small church pastors work. Uh, so they are working and they are trying to pastor at the same time because they're trying to fill all these hats. But we have found that if they have a small business, it's a lot easier for them. So those are some of the things that I do, just do it in a nutshell. Wow, makes my head spin. Um, <laughs> I want to introduce you to the co-host of the Nonprofit Exchange, Russell David Dennis, who is out there in Mile High, Colorado. Hi, David. Greetings. Very nice to meet you. It's Your just pleasure. all of the things you're teaching people to do. Very much needed. I sit on the board of my church, and uh, we've got some things that are taking place. And uh, so we're dealing with issues around real estate, finances, mm -hmm. a whole lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And that's a background for some of us, but not for our pastor. Mm -hmm. So yes. uh, these are vital skills. And then leading a community to be able to explain uh, how important all of these things are and where where the money that is being uh, uh, tied, how that is being put to use, and really how it all fits in with the vision. Mm -hmm. Amen. And you know, um, one of the things that we need to know as churches and, and community organizations is that it's no longer people just come into church. You actually have to take the church to the community. So one of the things that we do is we take the church to the community, especially with the young people today. You can't expect them to just be the way we used to be, just come into church and just, you know, and not expecting anything. The young people today want something out of church. What do you have to teach me? What can I learn when I come to that church? I don't want to just learn the word of God as important to that as that is. There's a new paradigm today. You know, the old paradigm is, oh, well, you know, just come and pray and God is going to bless you. The new paradigm today is that you pray, but you get up off your knees and you work. <laughs> Amen. And you have to find some skills in which you can fit in. So one of the things that we do also is we train young people in different capacities, you know, so whatever the skill the young people want to develop is what we help them to develop. So we've become a training institution. I would like to think that our church is more of a training institution, a one-stop shopping so that people can learn skills, the, the, you know, development, job development skills, uh, learn um, also financial skills. You know, we're lacking in that regard. I was saying just to someone the other day, we teach all these things at school, but we don't teach them finances. We don't teach them how to budget. Simple, something as simple as budgeting. We, we, you know, you go off to college and the first thing they give you is a credit card. And you say, oh, I got $2,000. Let me spend it. Let me spend it. Let me spend it. Not to know later on that you have a bill to go with that $2,000 and, and a student loan on top of that with that $2,000. So now you're in debt. So how do you come out of debt? So you have to teach children that. You have to teach people that. People don't know that. So those are the things that we teach. So we teach them how to, you know, learn about finance and how to, also how to buy a house, how to purchase. You don't have to be in an apartment all your life, so you can buy an apartment, how to purchase an apartment, you know. So we teach that. We also teach um, just certain basic human skills, human development skills that we haven't been taught. Some people haven't been taught how to just look when they go for a job, you know. 
do you do you dress with jeans on because you're going for a job or do you put on a shirt and tie and you put on a dress and you you know you look decent so that the employee don't think that you know you're just out of it and those are some of the skills that we teach and we, you've highlighted a really important area and um our our, our churches mainline churches other churches are suffering today because they're still doing things like we used to do them and mm -hmm. It's not, the churches don't have a corner on that market. A lot of small nonprofits are still trying to operate in, in an old paradigm. So mm -hmm. what you open the door to is how do we create a paradigm? And one of the important lessons we teach in Center Vision is that, that the first and foremost thing that a leader is, is a person of influence. And so let's go back to your vision for starting this worldwide association of small churches. Mm -hmm. And um, you had a vision how did you, and you're the influencer, so you've got something really significant. Um, how many churches belong to this association? About 3,500, worldwide, globally. Correct. So mm -hmm. and you're, you do video conferences and you help them mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways, but you're the, you're the person that's inspired people to say, oh, never thought of that. Maybe the church ought to be doing this. And we want to isolate things into a, an hour on Sunday and forget about it the rest of the week. What yeah. you're doing is putting our faith to work and being a yeah. community of God. So as you started this, how did this vision came to you? Um, how did how did you articulate? What is that vision and how did you articulate it and get the momentum started at the very beginning? Well, I, I think the vision came out of the fact that I'm an educator to begin with. I've always been an educator. I was a teacher beforehand, and then I was a professor at the City University. So I come from an educational um, standpoint. But in addition to that, the vision came out of when I was reading the Bible, and the Bible says, you know, write a vision and make it plain. Though it may perish, it will come to pass. And so I began to write down when I first started the church, what exactly I did not like about what was going on in church business. Okay. So my vision came out of watching how the church was operating and understanding that, that that old paradigm was not working now and that we needed a new paradigm. You know, the old paradigm, I've, I've, I've even been born again, for instance. Let's take that little topic for a minute. We used to have people come into the church, you lay hands on them, you pray for them, and you give them a prayer, sinner's prayer, you tell them to pray this way, and they repeat after you, and you felt they were born again. The new paradigm today is really not just laying hands on them and telling them that they're born again and having them repeat a sinner's prayer. But the new paradigm today is actually leading them to Jesus himself. Let them find their God. Let them find God for themselves. Because when you find God for yourself, you're not going to fall off the track because you have him for yourself. It's not through anyone else. So why did I say that? Because when I looked around at the church and I saw what was faltering, particularly now, I'm talking about the small churches because that's what my 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 view is towards when i looked at that and i saw where the, the pastors of small churches for the most part were working working full time and the church was not being attended to or they weren't giving the the the, the, the flock if you will you know the the not just the attention but they weren't giving them the information we're in an information age we need to be able to pass on information and the information was not being passed on. So my vision was to take small churches, educate small churches to become 
more business oriented, if you will. Business oriented with the word of God. You know, as a matter of fact, someone that's watching it might be saying, oh, she's talking about all this business and church. Yeah, because the church is a business. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us to toil until I return, which means what? Do business until I return. So we are in business. We're in the greatest business of all. The greatest business is the business of soul winning. Amen. 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 So that is the greatest business. So the vision came out of seeing how the church, the small churches was faltering, how small churches were being disenfranchised, not feeling as a part of anything and, and feeling as though they were less than they actually were. So my vision was to uh, bring them up, train them up, almost like what you do here with the general population, but train them up to feel worthy, to know that opening their church means perhaps uh, being able able to to motivate someone in a different direction being able to touch someone's life not necessarily they may not even come to your church but you can touch their lives you know and so that's that that's where the vision comes out of touching people's touching leaders lives and leaders will touch others if you've come by um, on Facebook we're talking on the nonprofit exchange to Bishop Ebony Kirkland um, short time friend five six years but we we connected substantially and we've had some very meaningful conversations and you're speaking to nonprofit leaders all over church leaders you just said had to realize they're running a business it's a it's a tax-exempt business but that would that would be said that other nonprofits need to learn the same thing so the common theme here and is that um we need to rethink church especially church needs to be reinvented which is what you're you're championing but we need to rethink how we're going to approach things how we're going to serve the community how we're going to empower and engage um, people who have a passion you know one of the things i've noticed and maybe russell you noticed um, bishop kirkland has a, a a lot of passion for what she does so i imagine being in worship with her is is a very moving experience so Russell, I'm going to give you a shot at, at what are you hearing and what would you like to ask her to talk about next? Well, first, I'd like to thank you for taking time out to join us. This is very, very important work, you know. Uh, and it's really in, in line with what we're doing here at Center Vision because mm -hmm. what I find is that you get a leader. Uh, it's really tough for pastors. And uh, mm -hmm. our pastor was a new pastor and mm -hmm. she was thrown into a situation uh, by the way that things unfolded that would scare the average senior minister <laughs> with 25 or 30 years. And she's just come through uh, with flying colors. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a support structure, support system. Mm -hmm. But a lot of leaders get isolated and mm -hmm. Uh, there are oftentimes you'll find a leader, whether it's in a company or a church that has a lot of difficulty asking for help. Mm -hmm. So you've probably come across a few uh, um, ministers or pastors that are in this position. Mm -hmm. How do you have that conversation with somebody who's clearly overwhelmed, but maybe uh, feeling that because the expectation of them as a leader is to be able to take care of everything. Uh, and as you're well aware, you know, uh, you can be a marvelous spiritual leader, but if you don't really have a business background mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. those responsibilities are all 
-hmm. put on that senior minister. Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you have that conversation with somebody? Because a lot of times they're under a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, they feel I've got to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't hand it off to anybody mm -hmm. else because I'm responsible. How do you how do you oh, for one of a better way to phrase it, talk them down off that ledge? <laughs> well, you know, I, I find that, you know, it's almost like being an alcoholic. If you don't seek help, then you're not admitting that you're an alcoholic. And if you don't admit that when you go to the 12 step, you know, program, the first thing they actually say, admit that you're an alcoholic, you know, so because you cannot get help if you don't admit it. So we, I don't talk people down and I don't talk them into this. I, I allow them to see the works. You know, Jesus said it great. He, he said it best. He said, greater works you shall do. So when you see the greater works, that's when you said, Oh, so you're doing this. A lot of the pastors are threatened, first of all. Some of the things that you're saying is, you know, don't take my flock or don't take this from me. I've developed these people and I've developed this thing. And, and I have this church going on for 20, 20, 25 years, sometimes doing the same thing and expecting different results. So we don't go in necessarily and say, you know, oh, you're doing wrong. And no, we're going to change it for you. That's not the way we handle it. We allow them to come and to see what we're doing and to experience what we're doing and to see the changes that the transformation that goes on. And as they see the transformation, I like to call it even greater word than transformation is transfiguration, <laughs> which is the transfiguration that Jesus did on the mountain. He was transfigured in front of their faces. When he was transfigured in front of the disciples, they're like, wow, what happened? You know, so when they see the transfiguration that goes on, they, most of them want some of that. I had get a lot of that out of Africa, particularly. They're so aware and so alert and so wanted. They're like, wow, we want you to come. I'm going to Africa in, in June, and I'm going to be doing a program. Last time I was in Africa, I did a program with over 10,000 pastors that were there that just wanted to receive. They want to they wanna get the business in. They want to understand this so that they can combine it, so that they can do a greater work for God greater work we will do. In addition to that, my nonprofit, which is the non, which is the um, Worldwide Association of Small Churches, have broken off in branches. So now we have over seven branches for the Worldwide Association of Small Churches, divisions, if you will. You know, um, we have a division of um, health and human services. We have a division of Worldwide Association of at-home small businesses, and you you knows you know about that one. We have a division also of um, um, clergy, clergy council, counseling the politicians. Amen. So we have a division that deals with that. We also have a, a division uh, that deals with um, purchase real estate, how to purchase real estate. So there's a division or an area that we deal with that. So we have seven different areas that we have branched off in to help not just pastors, but nonprofits to help them see that the vision, you know, can be a lot larger because it started out just being small churches and now we're into nonprofit helping. Now we're into regular small business helping and so on and so forth. The vision is expansive if you will. And, but, I, but just to answer your question, I don't beat anybody. I don't tell them to do it. I just let them see, you know, look and see. And that's what the words say. Watch and pray. We look and we see. Now, you know, I mean, it's 2020. This is the year of clarity and, and an expansion of business. And uh, just in the first two weeks of the year, some 
incredible things have happened for me. And I think really, <clears throat> and I love what you were talking about initially when I popped in, because it's how do we view ourselves, you know? And I think that, uh, you know, when people are in that place of distress, I know that for me, uh, when I found myself uh, with some struggles, mm. uh, it's hard to be creative. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this, the, the thinking can start to shrink when we're stuck in, in, in a set of conditions. Mm. Uh, when there's so many things, spirit has all these things outside of our, our radar screen. For example, I got this, this uh, laptop that I'm sitting in front of. It's a 13-inch uh, laptop, and I'm looking in the camera. Uh, and that would be, for example, my radar screen. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that the radar screen is the size of Bronco Stadium mm -hmm, downtown. Mm -hmm. And there's all that room, mm -hmm. but what I can see is right in front of me. And, and I think that what I was trying to get at was how do you get people beyond that? <clears throat> and as ministers, <clears throat> pardon me, as ministers, there's this, uh, we have to go beyond our own understanding. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's what what uh, happens with church leaders. It, you know, it's remembering because you're teaching your flock. Well, we mm -hmm. we don't lean on our own understanding. Amen. Amen. There's there's greater power at work mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. and so I think mm -hmm. the the proper question would have been how do you tap into that? Okay. But and I think um, there's an old Chinese proverb that said when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So the student has to be ready. There has to be a readiness on the part of that leader, be it a, a church leader, be it a nonprofit leader, be it a small business leader, because I had my own small business and I ran my small business from the kitchen table. And from the kitchen table, I realized one day that in order to make my business grow, I had to move out of the kitchen table into a, a standing office. From that standing office, I moved out to five different offices in the country. I was in LA, I was in Chicago, I was in, um, in Miami, I was in Washington, D.C., I was in Atlanta. We moved the office to all those different areas. So what it is that you have to do as a leader, as a small business leader, as a nonprofit business, small business leader, because you are a small business and a nonprofit small leader, as a church leader, you have to think out of the box. Until you begin to think out of the cage, as I like to call it, because a lot of us are caged in to our own situations. As you said, you're caged into that screen. I'm looking at that screen and I can't think. I can't think out of that box. I can't think out of that cage. But if you allow yourselves to from time to time to move back and just assess the situation, move back and just look and analyze what you're dealing with and where do you want to go? You have to have a vision. What is your vision? You know, where do I want to go? How do I want to look? What does that look like for me? And this is a good time of the year to be asking those kinds of questions. You know, what does my future look like for me? Matter of fact, I have my church not thinking anymore about 2020 because 2020 is over. Amen. We have done, we have come through 2020. If, we, if we're in, you know, we're in Kairos time and then we're in Kronos time. So we're in Kronos time. So we still look at 2020, but the heavens looks at the Kairos time, which is out already. 2020 is over. I look more towards 2025. Amen. And in 2025, what do I want to look like in 2025? How do I want my business to look in 2025? A, a, you know, and one of the things that I, I was asking my leaders as I trained them, I have my class tonight, as a matter of fact, and I'm asking my leaders, just, just, just tell me, what do you think you look like to people? 
What does your brand look like to people? You know, every brand has a has a word that they look like. Like forever, when you think of Volvo, what do you think like? You think of safety, amen, right? When you think of Facebook, you think of social media, correct? You have one word that describes that brand. Am I right? Okay, so when people think of you, of your nonprofit, or as your church, or as your small business, what do they think like? What do you mean to them? Does it mean that you're reliable? Is that what they think? Is that the word for you? Or does it mean that you're wishy-washy? Does it mean that you, that you can get business done, that you get it done, and that you have integrity? Or does it mean that you are hiding behind something? What does that one word define you? And I think that if we start thinking about just the one word, to define our brand, just like Volvo does, or you know, or you think of you know Facebook that they have the one word, or 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 even Apple. You know, when you think of Apple, you think of you know thinking out of the box or on the island. <laughs> Some of us are on an island with Apple because if we get off, everything is Apple in our house, Apple this, Apple that. They got us on an island. They got us in a box. But but my point is, what do people when they think about your brand? What do we associate you with? So if you start thinking in terms of that, you begin to move out of the box a little bit because you have to have a, a vision as to how you want people to see you. Well, and our brand needs to be consistent with the organization we're leading mm -hmm. be in conflict there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, so um, Bishop, um, when you first started sharing your vision, what kinds of responses did you get? I mean, there's all kinds of people like the sower and the seed, you know, the, some, some funnels on rocky soil. So <laughs> what kind of responses did you get and how were those um, encouraging or helpful for you? First of all, I, uh, when I first started sowing the seed, as you could imagine, anything that's this large, people don't even believe that you can do it, number one. And number two, being a woman, so we can go in that direction as well. People are like, oh my God, this woman is doing this. Where did she get this from? You know, and this is not of God and this is not about God. And this is, but you know what? Uh, you, I've learned that everything that we do is about God. He created everything. So everything, your business is about God. Training people, a non-profit non, non to be more effective, more productive, that's about God. Amen. And so for a long time, they couldn't understand what I was doing. They're like, oh my Lord, what is she saying? And she's going to take our people and she's going to do this. But they're beginning to now understand. And the worldwide is truly a brand now that people are saying, oh, we want to go there to learn. What are you teaching? How can you teach? As a matter of fact, they're pushing me, even in Africa, to become um, a full-time um, certified college. Amen. Amen. Oh. So which would bring us into a different level and another level. Oh, my word. So um, it just, I um, I've constantly find um, leaders that are challenged in leadership because like Russell was talking about earlier, they get stuck thinking, well, I'm the leader. I'm supposed to know the answer. And, and we try to teach people, no, leaders don't have all the right answers, mm -hmm. but leaders have good questions. <laughs> and they surround themselves with helpful people. Mm -hmm. um, however, I do find pastors when I say, what's the vision for the church? Well, first off, they want to, they want to, or vision or mission, 
they want to opt out, which is wrong, to say, oh, it's making disciples. And so, no, that's the great commission. Mm-hmm. That's not a choice. Mm-hmm. That's a biblical mandate. So, okay, you, you make disciples, then what is your mission? What are you going to do with those disciples? Mm-hmm. That's your mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, what, do you, what, do you, what is your work about? But then yeah. you want to opt out to say, oh, let's get a committee together and work out what our vision is. Well, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God gave a vision to a committee. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's part of being a leader is stepping out and being bold about something. So as you, I, I do find that when I share a vision and people say, nah, you can't do that. I find that inspirational. You know, watch mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so some people get shut down because worst of all, their friends and family say, oh, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you probably got some of that. So what, did, mm-hmm. what thoughts do you have? You started something which nobody had done before. So how did you get some energy around you to, to create the pathway to where it is now? I think that um, even when I started my own small business, no one else was doing it at the time. Okay. I started a market research small business and it was an ethnic multicultural map. It still is an ethnic multicultural map market research, black, interviewing blacks and Hispanics. Nobody was doing it at the time in the eighties. Nobody was even thinking about interviewing blacks and Hispanics. They thought I was crazy. They said, are you going to interview blacks and Hispanics? Who wants to know about them? Who care about them? Okay. But I thought out of the box, I said, you know what? I said, that's a popular that has not been reached. And I believe that they need to be heard. I believe that they need to be reached. And I began the business and it grew. And I grew it and I grew it and I grew it. I grew it to a $10 million business with thinking out of the box, with not caring who said what and who said no. I believe that if you're a leader, a leader learns to stand alone. A leader quite often doesn't need a crowd to stand with them. You know, if you really believe what you're doing is going to impact nations, and that's what I believe, what I do will impact nations. Amen. And that's what the Bible tells me. He says, you know, I'll give you nations as an inheritance uh-huh. and the end of the world as a possession. When, I, when you begin to think like that as a leader, well, I don't care what people say. I never cared what they said. You know, do they like me? Do they not like me? Will they like me? Will they not like me? That's not so important to me. You know what's more important to me is getting through what God has put in my heart that I know that will influence nations, societies, people, is transforming people. I tell people all the time, I am not building a church. I'm building the kingdom of God. There's a difference. Absolutely. See, when you're a leader, if you're building a church, you want everybody to come into your building. Oh, come to my building because it's great. Now come to my building. This is where you come and where you get God. No, no, no. People that come to the building to get God are into religion. People that come to get God come to get Christ. Amen. In them. Amen. And so for me, I did have a lot of opposition. I had men in opposition that opposed me as a female bishop. I had women opposition that opposed me because they thought I, you know, they were jealous at the same time. They couldn't believe I was stepping out and fake to do what I did, you know. And so I had opposition. I had family opposition because my family thought, you giving up the business to your daughter to turn around and do this? What's wrong with you? How could you do this? You know, you're giving up this big business to go on to now talking about God called you. Did he really call you? I said, yes, he did. Isaiah 6 verse 1. He said, who shall I send and who shall go for us? And, and they said, here I am, Lord, send me. Amen. 
And that's what I, that's the call that I answered. So when you answer that call, even with all the challenges, you stay focused on that call. You stay focused on that vision. You stay focused on what God has called you to do. And you cannot go wrong. And they can't beat you. <laughs> well, and Paul, um, when I quote often, uh, be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So Russell, I'm hearing a lot of common themes for things that, that we wish leaders knew. So what stands out, what stands out for you? Well, what stands out, and I'm, I'm just thinking a lot about my journey with my own center. The name of our center is New Dawn Center for Spiritual Ooh, Living. Nice. And it's all about new beginnings. And what, we, we're a small congregation, but the mindset, the energy that is flowing through the building is how can we make ourselves a resource? Mm -hmm. for the Aurora community. Mm -hmm. And this is what you're talking about. It's mm -hmm. just, you're helping churches and, and Center Vision is helping nonprofits mm -hmm. shift into that mode of thinking. How can we be a resource mm -hmm. for the community? Mm -hmm. How can we break out of that box? Because we're providing value here. Mm -hmm. We're providing value. Mm -hmm. It's not just some sort of one and done. And how do we want to be seen Mm -hmm. uh, and you mm -hmm. know what? Some people may think it's kind of a dirty word, but there's marketing to be done. Absolutely. You know, we've got to, if nobody knows that you're there, or how good the work is that you're doing. You're going to have some empty seats. And, mm -hmm. and, and while we're small, and I track the attendance, I'm the head usher as well, as mm -hmm. uh, the nice. board of trustees. So we do a count. I just kind of count how many people come through the door. We're averaging probably about three. It's three and a half to four new people. Wonderful. Never been to New Dawn. Wonderful. Weekly. And so we're working on leveraging Wonderful. that. We're working on bringing these folks back. Mm -hmm. We're moving. We're getting uh, working around the new space because the space we have now doesn't work. We don't have mm -hmm. room to get more people into that sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, That's you know, a good I problem. Think, I think there's a visual. And so we rely on our physical senses a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when people say, oh, it's a visual, this is nice, but okay, well, geez, it's pretty packed in here. That's good. Mm -hmm. But uh, you look around, you, you can look in the room and see when it's mm -hmm. full. Well, you know, there's not a lot of room to expand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it's about expanding mm -hmm. our, our our thinking, expanding the mm -hmm. energy. When mm -hmm. you've got more space for that mm -hmm. energy to flow out, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. then, then you mm -hmm. can get there. And so, talk mm -hmm. a little bit about some of the programs because this this I never knew about this association. I think mm -hmm. this is something that Reverend Jen and some of our other members would mm -hmm. would look at and say, "Hey, this is pretty exciting. How do we do that marketing? Because mm -hmm. we don't have people in house that can do that marketing." But We've got, a, you know, all of the people on our teams are phenomenal volunteers. So mm -hmm. how can we plug in to get systems, to get training? Talk a little bit about the ways that, mm -hmm. that those benefits are relayed and mm -hmm. how small churches could go about joining that. Okay. Joining the organization. Okay, surely. First of all, let me mention one thing is that you, that you said, let me comment on this, is that you said that, um, 
you know, the word marketing that you use. And I just want to pick up on that for a minute because most of us in religious organization and even nonprofits, we believe that we don't have to market ourselves. We believe that, you know, we don't need to market ourselves, you know, because we're doing this for God. But I want to bring you back to the scriptures and Matthew 28. And Jesus said to them, go out and spread the gospel. And that is marketing in of itself. Amen. God was sending them forth out to spread the word. He said, go out and spread the gospel, you know? So we must, we are to market ourselves, you know? And, and we don't like to think of vision and, and mission and, and branding. We, you know, we don't want to be branded because, you know, we're doing the work of God. So God forbid I should be branded. But may I mention to you that Jesus himself believed in branding himself. Amen. He branded himself to the point where they wanted to kill him. Because when he went around and said, I and the father are one, he was branding himself. Amen. You know? They're like, what? You're one with the Father? How could you be one with the Father? Nobody's one with the Father. Amen. And when he branded himself and he said, when you see the Father, you see me. When you see me, you see the Father. They're like, oh, my Lord. This is sacrilegious, you know. That, but that's what's branding. You know, so branding is important to our brand. So one of the things that I want to say to small churches is that we need to learn to brand ourselves. What do you want to be branded as? So that question dovetails right back into the question that I asked, how do you want to see yourself? What do you want to be branded as? We are branded in this city and in the country and in the world. We are branded as a small um, organization that helps small churches grow. And may I say this also, we focus a lot in growth and there's two types of growth. There's a physical work growth. Well, there's actually three types. There's a physical growth, there's a spiritual growth. Amen. And there is also just a financial growth. Now, which growth do you need? The physical, the spiritual, or the financial? The physical implies just people coming into the church. You could have a church crowded with people and you're still not getting enough tithes and offering to pay your bills. We, amen. I speak to some churches that they say, you know, we have 200 people in here, but we're still struggling to pay the bills because people are not tithing. So financially, you need to grow. So you need to figure out in that area, how do we teach people so that they don't feel that, you know, tithes is a burden, but they feel that giving is, is a requirement. Giving is something that I must do as a Christian. Amen. And I may add, because I also have an interfaith council for sustainable growth. I deal with interfaith as well. I may add that the Muslims give and the Jews give. Mm -hmm. Given is part of our existence. So when you teach that, now you're teaching financial growth. Then there is a physical growth. When you're teaching physical growth, you have to teach your leaders that they must learn to, to, to love people's soul. Amen. We love them physically. No, love their souls. As they come in, love the fact that sit and listen. So that's one of the courses that we teach leaders how to just listen. Quite often, pastors, we don't know how to listen. We, we want everybody to listen to us. Listen to me. I pick up the microphone, speak. I preach us, preach, preach. I hear you. Amen. Hallelujah. We want that, right? But when someone comes, we don't want to listen. So we teach leaders how to listen. Ooh, that's, that's the number that one means. skill. That's, uh, you know, I'm a musician. We got two ears and one mouth. We should, <laughs> fortunately. Amen. No Amen. No design Amen. there. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the skills we also teach leaders how to know themselves first physician know thyself amen uh, amen because too often we want to pray for everybody and some areas you pray for people are for you need prayer yourself so figure out what you need prayer for 
before you go praying for somebody else so that you can be healed so that it doesn't hurt you when you're praying for somebody so we need to know you know i always say uncover the cover we need to uncover the mask that we wear because a lot of us wear masks you know we're out there in a cage and we're so caged in and god forbid you open that cage i said this morning to my leaders that some of us are in brass cages you can't even break open the cage because it's so tight that's when you get leaders that no don't take my vision no don't take this from me and they don't want to delegate we teach them how to learn how to delegate you don't have to do everything somebody else is just as capable as you are and if it doesn't get done totally correctly it's okay it's all right we'll try it again don't get mad at them oh you didn't do it right you know you get out of here no it's okay she's preaching our song So it's, it's really having something to say. You have to be really clear on the vision. So when you open your mouth, there's something that's clear and relevant, which is something I had to learn. You know, I, uh, I grew up as a Scottish Presbyterian, you know, somebody <laughs> makes noise in church, you write their name down. Um, and, and the, the old joke there, what happens when you cross a Jehovah's witness and a Presbyterian is you get somebody that knocks on the door and has nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny that's that yeah right so so part of it is what are what a leader say when do they stop saying when do they listen and leadership is is really founded in relationship ministry is founded in relationship communication Mm -hmm. is founded in relationship now that's the basis of, of all of how these things work so you're giving out a whole lot of good stuff and um want to want to make sure we tie up some of the key themes because you got so much to share and so much to offer you um do you do you print a magazine you publish a magazine as well for your leaders yes we do and um the name of the magazine is talk to us (laughs) talk to us because we're listening (laughs) that's brilliant so yes. we should uh, we should share articles in each other's magazines. Yes, we, okay. yes, we should. And Hugh, we did share one <coughs> about a year ago that you did, and we'd like to share some others. So send us some so that we can share. You know, that's uh, that, may I say also is that this sent this this period that we're living in, this dispensation that we're living in, is a dispensation of of partnership. Mm-hmm. We must partner with one another. In order to see, that's another thing that leaders, nonprofits, and small churches don't do. We, or churches in general don't do. We don't partner. We're too afraid to partner. But if you go for grant, for instance, let's talk about grant writing for a moment because churches love to talk about grant. Free money? Where is it? Where is it? I want to get it. But the thing about it is that if you don't have the, the, the right ingredient you won't get that grant but if you came together with me and we came together with two or three other churches and we all have bring to the pie a different ingredient we put it all in that pie we will get that grant so partnership is extremely important and we can share in the proceeds of that grant partnership is one of the things that i that we teach also because it's a mindset most people don't have that mindset of partnering with one another. You, you and I have partnered together. We, we did that thing in, New, in the New Yorker Hotel. It was wonderful. We need to do more of that. Partnership is extremely important in getting the job done, getting your organizations going forward, and getting both organizations working together. The Bible puts it this way, how good and how perfect it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, in partnership. 
We, that's a message we need in today's world. So there's, there's really important work to do today, more important probably than ever before in history. And it does require that we, we come together. So as, as, a, as, a, as a culture, church leaders tend to shun business models. We want them to give money, but, but we, we think there's something wrong with a for-profit business model when actually it's a really good partnership. Because if we partner with, the, with the, the businesses that have value, like for instance, you have a marketing agency. What a great partnership for churches to learn that yes, we need to tell people the story of what we're doing. We need to tell them why we exist. And we need to let them know why they should be a part of this organization. Now, actually, I've, I've actually been in your office. It's in the Bronx, isn't it? It's a right. nice big office. So um, that's, that's pretty, pretty good, pretty cool place. So, Thank so you. talk a little bit more. That was our title today. Uh, the partnering of churches and nonprofits with businesses. What are some opportunities that in the last five minutes we got here, what are some of the opportunities that come to your mind that are, that uh, leaders should explore? Mm -hmm. Some of the partnership partnering opportunities that are available. Um, for instance, we are right in the process of partnering with another organization for, for grants for the census. And, and, you know, so we're partnering for that so that we can get a big share of that. We, you can partner with, and when, you, when I think of partnership, I don't only think of um, church, but I think of nonprofits partnering with one another. And I also think also of um, businesses partnering with nonprofits. There is such a thing, because there are some grants that require a business. A small business can partner with a nonprofit. And so I don't think that they realize that, that you can partner with nonprofit with a small business. You can, a small business can partner also with, with a larger organization, a larger um, business. We do that often. We, are, we, are, we, we partner a lot with larger, larger than us company, and we share in the partnership in that regard. So there's many, many possibilities out there of, of being partners. Uh, what I want to get through to the audience is that partnership is a way of life today. Partnership has got to be a way of breaking into that market and not having to hit your head against the wall so many times. Because quite often, sometimes you're trying to do it on your own and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm frustrated. I can't get it done. And how can I do this? But you know, when you have two heads that come together, you remember that old saying, two heads together is better than one apart. So if you have two heads that come together, you know, and, and put it together, you're more likely to succeed. So partnership is extremely important. Don't be afraid of partnership. I think quite often, small churches, small organizations, nonprofits become afraid of partnership. Another reason why they're afraid, because they're always thinking that you're going to steal their vision or you're going to take their, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. I want to tell you this. No one can steal your vision. What is for you? is for you. They might try to be copycats, but they can never, there can never be another Hugh. Amen. Hugh is Hugh. Oops. Oh, Lord. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, Russell, you want to, we got a couple minutes. You want to weigh in here? Well, yeah, we all have those unique gifts, and yes, there is only one Hugh Blue. He's <laughs> my friend and, and, and the mentor and uh, just a wonderful person to know. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've had some amazing things happen. Uh, I've stepped into a new role that, uh, that puts me in a position, really, 
to bring more different people together. So, I, you know, I'd like to have a conversation with each of you about that offline okay. uh, at some point in time. But it's this, this being a resource and looking at ways that you can be a resource is, is amazing. And I, you can do that in different ways. I mean, my church works with community organizations. So, you know, from business standpoints to other, other types of, of ways, talk about some of the ways, Bishop, that you have uh, helped churches to step into that brand where they're community resource for things that are probably non-traditional when you mm -hmm. start thinking about what a church does. Mm -hmm. Some of the non-traditional areas that we've helped churches with, for instance, we've helped them to set up um, workshops for their, their youth in terms of growing um, um, to become um, trained in mechanic, to become a mechanic. Amen. Or or set up a workshop. We've set up workshop for them to um, to become an electrician, where they have the they have the they have the place, they have the they have the space, but they weren't using it. So we started a workshop for them to to for these to become an electrician. Another place that we're working with different churches, also with um, some of the churches, we found that they have a lot of youth, but the youth don't know exactly what to do. They don't necessarily want to go to college anymore. So we're putting them into these non traditional careers being for instance an elevator repairman an mm -hmm. elevator repairman makes a hundred thousand dollars a year and it is no shame in their game because they make very good money and you need them because the elevator will not work if they don't fix it amen and some of these kids are very technology and so we're teaching them how to go and take those kinds of non-traditional careers that no one else is thinking about. Everybody's thinking about sending them to college or let them go off to college, but not everybody's college oriented. So we help the churches to be able to set up workshops in those, in those capacities. And then of course, we also help churches to set up workshops with um, people. We have a church that set up a workshop, a bakery, where the people came in and baked all different kinds of goods and sold it in the community. So these are non-traditional ways of, of setting up businesses that people actually enjoy. These are talents that they have. I tell people all the time, I tell churches and I tell nonprofits, work where your talent is. Don't try to take somebody else's talent and run with it and, and now say, I got it, I got it, I got it. No, no, because it will never be the same. Take your talent, develop your talent, and turn that into a business. And that's what we've been doing with, with churches. Very, very wise words. You see why I like this woman, Russell? She's just, every time I'm with her, I just get so excited about things. Well, you um, never told me about her. You've been keeping her to yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is out. So people want to, um, is it okay if we give out your, your um, email? Sure. You can so give my email. Bishop, B-I-S-H-O-P, Kirkland, K-I-R-K-L-A-N-D, at livinggod, L-I-V-I-N-G-G-O-D dot org. Bishop Kirkland at livinggod.org. And our sponsor, um, this time we want to lift up, is Word Sprint. Uh, WordSprint is a mailing house that has a high quality print shop. So your tribe is all the people who know you, who support you, who give to your charity. If they don't know what you're doing with that money, they're not as likely to give to you next year or to continue giving monthly. So it's imperative that we, we send the right message. That's a 30% of, of this program. 
the right message. Two, the second part is the right person. Three, in a regular rhythm. People want to hear from you before you ask about money. They want to know what you've done with the money. And 10% leftover is what it looks like. So you want to have a respectable document that you send them. You don't want to break the bank in doing something too fancy because they'll think you're wasting their money. Uh-huh. Bill Gilmer and his, his, his team at WordSprint print nonprofit performance 360 magazine and mail it for us. And we stay in touch with our tribe in many ways, mailing postcards, mailing letters, mailing the magazine. So we stay connected with our tribe. So go to wordsprint.com. There's a place to book a consultation. They can show you data from two decades, two and a half million mailing campaigns of what it actually does over the long run to keep the revenue coming in. So that's really the gas that runs the car that you're trying to drive. <laughs> so we got to get that going. Wordsprint.com, we recommend them very highly. So Bishop, I'm going to ask you to, to give a, uh, an ending tip or a challenge or a closing thought, and then Russell will close out this really wonderful interview. So thank you for all your wisdom that you shared today. What would you like to leave people with? Oh my goodness, I, 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 I would like to leave them with the thought that they should, when you have a brand, when you have a company or a nonprofit or a church, you need to believe in yourself. Believe that God has given you that vision and that that vision shall come to pass. I'd like to leave them with that. God bless you and thank you for having me. I enjoyed the moments that we spent together. Uh, Hugh, you're amazing. And, and oh my goodness, I'm so excited that you just introduced us to, to introduce me to, um, to your friend. Are you, you're keeping him a secret too, you, you. I didn't know anything about him. My goodness, I'm excited. I love meeting people that are of the like-minded people. That's what the Bible talks about. We should be of like mind. If we're a like-minded people, we can say that the mountain may move and move, the mountain will move. God bless you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed you both. Bless you. Thank you again. Uh, This is so wonderful. The Nonprofit Exchange airs every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. We are here every week where we bring phenomenal people like Bishop Ebony to you to share their insights and their message and uh, just to, to move into it's a very big shift here and it's it's spiritual in nature everything springs from spirit and it goes into belief and uh, it's believing in yourselves and our audience all of you folks out there that tune in week in and week out are doing remarkable things and i've been privileged to meet people around the country who are doing remarkable things we are here we're a community uh, that you can join so if you go to Center Vision Leadership, our website, there's a big blue button in the corner that says join. And you'll have access to podcasts. We have a membership community for community builders where we share resources and tips and tools. And it's all here. Uh, we have people like Bill Gimmer at WordSprint that support the work that we're doing. Uh, this is the year to grow. This is the year to succeed. This is the year that we want to help you reach that ultimate vision that you're working toward and to do it with power and do it with clarity. So thank you all for all of the things that you're doing. We will see you here next week at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. However, if that's a time that doesn't work for you, 
no need to panic. You can subscribe to the Nonprofit Exchange on Stitcher and at the iTunes store. Never miss an episode. Listen to these again and again and again. Take us with you in the car, on your vacations, on your camping trip, because we're here. We, we can be there in spirit. All you have to do is, is uh, hit the button and push play. And here we are. Until next week, this is Rustin signing off for the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>